electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, the Fed ready to raise rates as soon as March. Inside the tricky task ahead for Chair Powell, CNBC's Steve Leisman. The Fed has to normalize policy in any event. Now it's also got an inflation problem on top of that. Some collateral damage in the stock market is not a primary concern. And a key trend to watch from investor Stan Druckenmiller, comments he gave only to Squawk Box. I got excited, Becky, because you know what this means. The bond vigilantes? Is that <laughs> what you were going to say? Yes, yes, yes. Netflix and Bill. Hedge funder Bill Ackman is the streamer's new top 20 shareholder. He had a chance to buy Netflix just like the rest of us all along five years ago. And there comes a time for Spotify and Neil Young to go separate ways. The platform has picked podcasts over music. Axios reporter Sarah Fisher. Joe Rogan is by far the most streamed podcaster on the platform. Podcasting is especially lucrative for Spotify because it's really good for advertising. Plus, bacon back in the green room at the NASDAQ and so much more. It's Thursday, January 27th, 2022. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Becky by in three, two, one, cue please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick, along with Andrew Ross Sorkin and the squeaky wheel. I mean, I mean Joe Kernan. Adonis. Adonis. Yeah, Adonis, excuse me. You, you complain and you get bacon. Huh. We Wasn't really complaining. Works. Wasn't really complaining, but I picked a bad day to start that diet. That's uh, <laughs> uh, like from an airplane, right? That's right. Bad yeah. day to give up sniffing Atkins. Glue. You're on Atkins, Joe. Just think go. about it like as, as an Atkins thing, you know? That's a good idea. That works. That's a good idea. That'll that work for me. I think Until so. I can eat as much as I want. For, for, what, yeah, so you have a, an Atkins donut diet somehow, Sorkin. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure that's part of the whole Atkins thing. I, I want to say, and I uh, just to keep myself honest, I have actually stayed off of the sugar and the carbs for the month of January thus far. And I'm like hmm. a week away, I basically, think someone from, needs, from success. Someone needs a delivery of donuts this morning. Let someone, me see if I can get that on Grubhub. Other people <clears throat> give up alcohol during January. You give up donuts. That's, who are you, Homer? Anyway, we better go, Powell. We should, Powell. We should talk about what happened. Powell spoke yesterday, and the markets were listening, and they quaked. Good afternoon. At the Federal Reserve, we are strongly committed to achieving the monetary policy If you goals watched what was happening yesterday, things looked pretty good early in session. In fact, the NASDAQ was up by about 3.5% yesterday until Jay Powell started talking and explaining just how aggressive they plan on being. I would say that the, the committee is, uh, is, is of a mind to, to, to raise the federal funds rate at the March meeting, assuming that uh, conditions are appropriate for doing so. We have, we have our eyes on, on the risks, uh, particularly um, around the world, uh, but uh, uh, we do expect some softening in the economy from Omicron, but we think that that should be temporary, and we think that uh, the economy should, the underlying strength of the economy should, um, you know, should, should show through fairly quickly after that. 
didn't give too many specifics, but he also wouldn't take anything off the table, and that really upset the market. You can see the closed up there. though. It, Nasdaq, it did. That, <laughs> it, it did after after dropping three and a half percent from yeah. earlier in the session. Right. If you watched it, it happened with all the big tech stocks. Microsoft yesterday. We were talking about it at this time yesterday. They were uh, the company was doing so well after earnings, and uh, in fact, the comp- the stock was up by about six point nine percent. It came back down. It did close up by two point nine percent, but again, it lost a lot of the lofty levels that you'd seen earlier in the session. Same thing happened with Texas Instruments. But don't you guys think it kind of it's kind of orderly so far? I'm not. Uh, these are small small moves. Orderly, and, if you're not looking too frequently at your. Uh, right, but even even in the t- we're going to talk to, to Steve. I know, but and and there's a major, you know, there's people on one side of Jay Powell and people on the other side of Jay Powell. For example, the Journal. I'm talking about the Journal. Oh, right. A lot of people say, "Oh my God, he was so mad. hawkish." Right. Other people say, "Really? Well." We'll see. You know, this. it's nice that you're saying you're going to do these things, but you're, you're not even ending. Right. You, you could have ended asset purchase. That's, purchases that's a fair point. Yeah. You could have left 50 basis points on the table for March, but you really didn't. So, and, 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 and then they, they mentioned, see, they already got their excuse ready. It's the wealth effect we're worried about. We don't care about rich people. We care about the wealth effect hurting the employment <laughs> picture. If we, no, if the, if the market go. wealth effect, they, they can get it to the point where no, we're not coddling the, the, the haves. Yeah. We're actually worried about the effects of the of a wealth effect on the have not. So they they've already got their cover ready to go. Maybe Leesman. Uh, sorry, Andrew. I know I know we're well, going to get to the well, let's, let's, let's talk to Steve. He's got a. He's now had about I don't know about eighteen hours, maybe a little less than that, twelve hours to even add some more perspectives to all of this, uh, get uh, his take on the Fed's decision, the big changes in the outlook for the rate hikes uh, this morning. Steve is standing by up early. Um, Mr. Leisman, what do you think of what Jodis had to say? And what do you think of what Mr. Powell had to say more importantly? Can I save what I think and, and what, what anybody thinks for uh, a second here? Because I want to show you what markets think, which I think is a little bit more important and kind of will change the conversation. Markets this morning have sped up and they're increasing their outlook for Fed rate hikes in the wake of that meeting yesterday where the Fed signaled a rate increase coming in March and likely balance sheet reduction sometime after that. It is not possible to predict with uh, much confidence exactly what path for our policy rate is going to prove appropriate. And so at this time, we, we haven't made any decisions about the path of policy. And I, I stress again that we'll be humble and nimble we're going to have to navigate cross currencies, currents and actually two-sided risks now. Okay, here we go. While the market had been priced for quarterly hikes this year, that's four of them, Fed funds futures now see a high probability of three consecutive hikes at meetings beginning in March, a fourth one in September, and now a fifth in December. All right, step back. The big change here, the virtual withdrawal of forward guidance. That had offered the market's assurance of low rates, while the pandemic was going on. How much the Fed does now is going to be tied to incoming data and the outlook, especially for inflation, rather than any long-term guidance. And that likely means ongoing volatility for stocks. So, Andrew, you asked me what I think. Um, I think we're in for an interesting ride here. I don't know that these new hawkish ideas are, are, are right. Um, and I don't know that the Fed means to do these things. What I do know is that when the inflation report comes out, we're going to have to adjust the Fed outlook to that inflation report. And when the jobs report comes out, we have to adjust to that jobs report. It's meeting to meeting, uh, report to report now. But look, my question, and it goes to the market, and it goes also to the wealth effect issue, which is, and maybe I'm wrong on this, 
The whole point of what he's trying to do is reduce demand, at least at the moment. That's, that's the only tool a guy's really got. And so the question is, does he, how much does he care about the market? You know, the market was like a roller coaster these past couple of days, and everybody asked the same question. Is he watching the market, and what does he think of the market? Is this going to change what he's going to do? And I've been under the impression it's not going to change anything he's going to do unless it was so drastic that it was, you know, a completely out of control situation. But that's where he is. Is that is that wrong? And then and then speak to the wealth effect issue that I think Joe was trying to raise. I think the market and especially a lot of people on our air thinks that Powell should and does care more about it than he really does. I think Powell is focused on the real economy uh, and needs to do what, he, what, what has to be done here to get inflation under control. I think that's the primary focus. Look, as we said a lot of times, the Fed has to normalize uh, uh, policy in any event. Now it's also got an inflation problem on top of that. And I think that there's some collateral damage in the stock market is not a primary concern. I don't think he wants to see stocks go down. I don't think that's necessarily an intention of policy. Steve, that's because rich people have a lot of house money. If the, if the market's up nine, 99% from the pandemic lows, not only does Powell have room to he said that we got a lot of room to raise interest rates. You also got a lot of stock market gains where you could give back some of those, a heck of a lot more than we've given back so far, uh, and still not be accused of, of derailing uh, the stock market. I mean, we have huge gains since, what was that, April of March or April of 2020. And All right, Joe, I, I got, just don't I, I just got, don't believe it. I, I think I think he'll I think if once if we were down 25 percent on the Nasdaq, I, I think they'd be under enormous pressure from the Biden administration, and everybody else to to uh, to take it easy. So maybe that's the strike. I have Joe's if, if if you take it from the pre pandemic high, right? I have the S&P up 30% and the Nasdaq still up 40%. And your numbers are spot on. I got 93% from the pandemic low. If you put all of your money in on that day, you're up 90, 98% on the Nasdaq and you're down 16 on the Nasdaq from the all-time high. Those are the numbers I have. So there's still a lot of, of, of wealth out there. Um, and I think you have to think about calibrating policy for the economy. Remember, Joe, 3.9% unemployment rate. You know, I mean, maybe there's a lot of people on the sidelines, but maybe they're not coming back. And that's a new reality, I think, that Powell's kind of woken up to. It's like, you know, waiting for Godot for, 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 the, for um, uh, uh, people to come back into the workforce. And I think he came to the conclusion that may not happen. And so the, the unemployment market or the employment market is the one <clears throat> that they have right now, and they've got to deal with it. Um, and now, look, let's be clear here. There's, there, there's an upside to this story here. He talked about the idea that there'll be less fiscal stimulus this year. Supply bottlenecks could un un unclog. Um, and you'll have a somewhat tighter policy. Those three things could combine to reduce inflation. They could combine to allow the Fed to go a little slower than the market is priced in. I, I think the market may have gone a little far here in pricing in a, a hawkish Fed, but I, I just don't know at this point. Yeah, it could, could set up for a scary sit. I don't think, you know, none of us really think inflation's going to 10% or anything, or that it's really gonna stay where it is here. But if inflation got worse and the market really started going down, then you see why people it with that are normal would never accept the job as Fed chairman. It's just too damn hard. And, and, and I'm just worried that there might be feet of clay and that you can talk tough. But, you know, if inflation needs to be addressed and if the market is really in, in a, a dire straits, what do you do? Do you just continue with that policy or, or do you finally sort of blink? That's what I'm worried about today. It's, an, it's, an, it's, an, it's a really Volker, interesting point, Volker Joe. Volker didn't blink, but 
Vote, I mean, voted that, blank. Yeah. Volker also didn't signal what he was going to do. So well, if right. it's coming, you're not going to know. It's the shock and awe sort of theory. Right, but we're so low. I mean, but geez, the, the I, other thing is, it's 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 well to remember, guys, that that Powell has a lot of political support from both sides of the aisle to fight inflation. I think that. Until and, he does. And by it. the way, there's uh, I think there's support among the American public until he does it. I can't argue with that. If if uh, he could have the rug pulled out of him on that, if you have a huge decline in stocks. All right, Steve, stick around. Joe, I got to tell you something, Joe. Go ahead. You, you, I'm reading a lot of commentary on the Fed. Do you know what the unfortunate abbreviation for balance sheet is? I can figure it out, I think. It's really a drag to read all these reports, and I keep seeing the abbreviation for balance sheet. <laughs> you know what? We, we need to always realize that in the background, maybe half of what we're talking about might have that abbreviation too, and just be humbled by that, and know that <laughs> if you know your but this one your really own, does. <laughs> if you know your own limitations. We had a uh, quick conversation with um, legendary, legendary. We use that a lot. I think we need something better than legendary. Maybe uber legendary investor Stan Druckenmiller. He pointed out that last fall, I read something he sent me on the on the air when the ten year was at one point three six. And everyone was saying, well, bond prices are saying this, bond prices are saying that. We were trying to figure out. And he said at that time, uh, the bond market was saying nothing. And he wasn't predicting higher yields. He was merely saying that there was no believable message from the bond market due to all the Fed uh, manipulation. And then he went on to say, what I find so exciting about yesterday is if the Fed now behaves as Chairman Powell suggested they will in the months ahead, we can now heed the message of the bond market again, no matter what it may be. Uh, and pre the tampering period, the bond market and yield curve were certainly much better predictors of future economic trends than he, than me, uh, and 95% of economists. The dropping of forward guidance will give the Fed the flexibility to follow the data in a timely manner. As long as the Fed follows through on this, I will once again be listening to the bond market in the months ahead, as I did in my first 35 years uh, in the business. And I, I initially got excited, Becky, because you know what this means. Uh, it could be. The bond uh, the vigilantes? Is that what you were going to say? <laughs> yep. Did I yes, catch you on yes, it? Yes, I thought the yes. same thing. I mean, this yes. is huge news for him yep. to say. You know, they're back in the business. You can watch the market because we've always, you know, we've always said the bond market's smarter than the stock market. They figure it out more quickly. But he's right. I, I hadn't really put any of this together. It's been crowded out by just the Fed's huge presence in the market. You couldn't really tell what investors in the bond market were thinking in, in, in mass numbers one way or the other. But if this is the case, that's pretty right. important. And we were talking before, Joe, about what that means in terms of the the yield curve flattening, the two-year going up, the 10-year coming down ever so slightly, not a big right. deal yet. But if you get to the point where the two-year yields more than the 10-year, that's a pretty sure sign of a recession. So if you can there, watch there for something been, like that again. There have been others. Our friend uh, out in Chicago, uh, Rick Santelli, who yeah. talks about the price discovery. You don't have good price discovery right. if, if the markets aren't doing what they want to do. So you don't really know what's real and what's not. Judy Shelton says that all the time, that, you know, how do you get price discovery uh, when the Fed is buying so much every month. And I mean, if you got someone, you know, the buyer of last resort sitting there waiting all the time, then how do you know what's real and what, what's Memorex? Memorex, that's all I was about buy? to say that. Or was it Memorex? Jinx. Yep. You almost said that? Yeah, you were about to. I yeah, almost said Memorex. Yeah, because we're, we're old. Because <laughs> we're old. Because we're old. We used we're to old. use film. 
You know, everything comes back. People are buying vinyl records and cassette tapes again. I don't, I don't understand it. So, and now we're going to listen to the Fed again. Or, I'm sorry, listen I, to the bond I want to say, again. I just saw a cover not too long ago about the death of the bond vigilantes. I'm trying to see if I can look it up, because if that would tell you anything. Oh, here you know what? What's Good. scary about that? If they really did come back, and if From things really do do get pretty bad, yeah, pretty bad, they can be pretty nasty. Uh, I mean, they, yeah. they, we, we could dislocate, we could see some dislocations that the equity markets might not like right. if the bond vigilante, as you vigilante. like to say, uh, came well, back in, in earnest. Coming up on Squawk Pod, hedge funder Bill Ackman scooping up enough shares of Netflix to become a top 20 shareholder. But not everyone's happy for him. When Buffett bought into Apple, people criticized him too because they said, look at what happened with IBM. We'll be right back. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Stand by, Joe. This is Squawk Pod from CNBC. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box here on CNBC, live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Joe Kernan, along with Becky Quick uh, and Andrew Hercules uh, Sorkin. Um, do you mind that, Andrew? Do you, is that uh, that's Alton will, John's? As, I'll take whatever I can get, whatever, um, as you know. I've been trying to muscle up, so sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I know. see it. I see it. <laughs> I know. It, I know what he wants. Bill Ackman has now taken a stake in Netflix. The billionaire hedge fund manager saying he bought more than 3.1 million shares after the stock had plunged last week. That makes him a top 20 shareholder. In a tweet just yesterday, Ackman said, quote, I have long admired Reed Hastings and the remarkable company he and his team have built. We're delighted that the market has now presented us with this opportunity. In a letter to investors, Ackman wrote about his positions in Netflix and also in Universal Music Group saying, quote, we are all in on streaming as we love the business models, the industry context, and the management teams. Now, Ackman's Pershing Square owns 10% of Universal Music Group. You remember uh, he gained that stake uh, after the deal for his SPAC to buy that stake fell apart. So uh, there's an interesting irony there because that deal actually looks like it's also been uh, a great boon for him. Uh, could have been a boon for SPAC investors. And you know, we talk about all the SPACs that have not done so well. That Bill one probably Bill would have. Gotten, here the SEC, here was the SEC much, protecting he, he, the little guy against right. making some money. Finally, Bill could have gotten in on Netflix for ten percent of where it is, even after the sell-off, if he wasn't playing around with J.C. Penney. I mean, if in a lot of those other crappy plays. So, I mean, he had a chance to buy Netflix just like the rest of us all along five years ago, six, seven years ago. So now, what's he paying? He's paying. It's still up. 10 times what it was when he's set, passing out those little buttons 
that said, I don't know. Remember the I know you 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 find you find a way to critique him at, at every turn. Uh, you know Warren Buffett got into Apple. Uh, I think it's a You could say he got into Apple late. Right. Warren I think it's Buffett a criticism, not a critique. He could have bought it when it was nothing. But nobody sits around and says Warren Buffett's a dope for for for, for getting him when he got in. So since then. we'll see. It, in That's hindsight, my point. In, in hindsight, Warren Buffett looks pretty smart for what he did. We'll see what happens. With exactly, but that, but that's the point. We well, will see whether Bill Ackman looks smart or dumb in the end, was, right? General Warren growth, general growth, the, and, and, and I, they were some of the greatest buys of all time. But I, you know, past performance isn't indicative of the, of the future. He's got more money look, than any of us will ever even think about having. Also, and, and you can look, you, know. you can. I, I, I don't need to defend Bill Apple, Ackman. People the criticized him too because they said, "Look at what happened with IBM." He got heavily criticized when he first bought in. It's right. only. Later, now that the if stock you're, has if come you, up, if you're 51 percent, that's what I said. If you're 51 percent, you're doing well, and and we're doing this as total uh, armchair quarterback. I said that yesterday. We got the best job in the world. We don't have to be right about anything. It's perfect. So because well, we're in the financial be middle, better man. if we could be right. Well, keep trying, Andrew. Cheese will be next. Next on Squawk Pod, walk on Neil Young. We're rocking in a free world. Spotify is picking its most lucrative podcaster, Joe Rogan, over the legendary musician. But how many artists would Spotify be willing to sacrifice? Axios Media reporter, Sarah Fisher. The question that I have is where is Spotify gonna draw the line in the future? That conversation is right after this. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. I'm Andrew Ross along with Becky Quick and Joe Kernan. Musician Neil Young issuing Spotify an ultimatum. Young or Rogan? Not both. Now the streaming giant granting Young's wishes, taking down his entire music library from the platform. Young said earlier this week that he didn't want his music on the same platform as podcaster Joe Rogan, accusing him of spreading disinformation about COVID-19 vaccines. Now, Spotify says it's detailed content policies in place, he ha- that it has those, and has removed 20,000 COVID-related podcast episodes since the start of the pandemic. But the company has a big bet going on, Rogan. It signed a deal with him in 2020 worth more than $100 million. It's taken down, I don't know if they are Rogan podcasts. It's taken down a bunch of the Rogan podcasts, but not necessarily related to covid Um, Clearly, they've made a bet on Rogan. The question that I would ask, guys, is whether you think other musicians 
And if a band of musicians were to come together and call up Spotify, I mean, a, when I say a band, not just one band, lots of the bands coming together <laughs> right. and saying, hey, and rather than a single we're not, artist. Cool. <laughs> we're not cool with this. Having yeah. said that, I think it's very hard, given that a lot of songs uh, have a lot of lyrics that people find objectionable. People want to be creative and say what they want to say. So I think musicians may be in a tougher spot right. uh, in certain cases to object to some of this. Having said that, you know my view on vaccines and the Kaiser uh, Foundation. Uh, even though you may get infected, uh, it would have saved 163,000 people just in the past six months alone. So, um, Look, they've stood up for Joe Rogan in the past, not just about this, but about other issues that kind of infuriated uh, some of their employees. So they've... They're in. They're all in with Joe Rogan. It's well, I, I think Neil, I mean, you know, legend. He is a legend. And I love Neil Young. And I listen to him all the time still. But when you said, all right, you're going to use me, you're going to lose me. It, pick between me and Joe Rogan. That, that was a foregone conclusion. If Neil thinks he's still got the juice to, to, uh, to, to kick Rogan off. And it, he's like, tell Spotify, gives him an ultimatum. I don't even know. Right. I don't Next even know thing that you know, they're like, was, okay, they see you, Neil. I don't even see know you. that they, they, he thought they were going to kick him off. I think Neil Young is somebody a, who's making a point. He always has with his music. You know, he's, yeah. this is something a lot he's of got people a like to do that doing. with uh, making a point about things like right. that. And by the way, I agree that he was still in negotiations both with his record company and Spotify even after this happened. So right. who knows how long right. before he'll be back. But if you had Taylor Swift and Adele and, you know, name your name, yeah. your top, the, the top five artists that are played on that platform. If, if they all banded together and said no go, um, I be. think that Daniel Eck would have a different uh, might have to ha think about this in a different but, way. But right? so and, far, and, crickets, and you, haven't heard anybody, you haven't heard anybody else speak up yet. Um, but right. then, then you got artists who would would say they're First Amendment people because there are, you know, that's that's makes why I them said very, it's very pro First Amendment. So you know, Neil, I've seen Neil say other stuff. I finally start, you know, I listen to his music. I just don't listen to him when he talks. So that's, and this is, goes back years. But that's just me. What's yeah, that? Harvest Moon. Harvest Moon, right? Harvest Moon's a great song. Joining us now, Sarah Fisher. Axios media reporter, a lot of uh, high-flung um, uh, intentions being ascribed to both sides, as well as just down and dirty profit motives. Uh, I, I don't. I think it's probably a little bit of both, uh, Sarah. I mean, Spotify. You know, they pay Joe Rogan a lot of money. It's very profitable uh, for for Spotify, but they could certainly say artists like Rogan have a First Amendment protection to, you know, and we're standing up for the First Amendment. And then I could see Neil Young saying, well, I have a First Amendment right as well. And, and the free market for me means that I want you to take my music down. So maybe the free market is working. I, I'm sure you have some yeah, you, you have some comments and color on, on how to how to look at this. Yeah, no, I think it is working. I think it worked exactly right. Neil Young makes this demand. I want you to take my music down. Spotify complies. And that's the end of it. I think the big picture here is whether other artists follow Neil Young, and then it could become a business problem for Spotify. But if you take a look at the numbers here, the issue is that Joe Rogan is by far the most streamed podcaster on the platform. Podcasting is especially lucrative for Spotify because it's really good for advertising. Now, by comparison, I think they'd probably be fine with Neil Young taking a hike if it means that they can keep their most star business player on the platform. The question that I have is where is Spotify going to draw the line in the future? They said in a statement yesterday that they took down 20,000 podcasts related to COVID-19 misinformation since the start of the pandemic. Well, why aren't you taking down 
Joe Rogan's? I think the answer is because they're paying $100 million in a multi-year contract for Joe Rogan, but they're not going to be able to waver for long. I think a lot of artists are going to get fed up with it. Do you think Neil Young expected this outcome, or do you think he, I mean, the woke virtue signaling millennials at Twitter are, are trigger happy uh, and at Facebook are trigger happy. I figured if, if Neil had been reading the newspapers, he would think, oh, they'll, they'll listen to me immediately and take down this horrible disinformation. But that, that didn't happen. Do you, think he was, do you think he was surprised? Do you think he didn't expect this outcome or he was willing to do this all along to make the point? Oh, it was definitely an ultimatum and he had to have been willing to ultimately have his music come down. You don't issue an ultimatum like that without the expectation. Remember, Neil Young's the first major artist to do something like this. So he was absolutely going to make a splash and he knew that. I think the question is, does he think some of his colleagues, especially older artists with backlog catalogs who don't need the branding anymore, are gonna follow him? I actually think those are conversations he's having right now with a bunch of his peers. Hey, Sarah, the other question, Given your, your affiliation with Axios, how does Washington, you think, react to this? You know, we've had lots of debate over the years about Section 230, the responsibilities of tech companies and, quote, unquote, platforms, misinformation and the like. Does it, I mean, and, and, and this is a tricky one. Yeah, I think Washington has not caught up to audio. They're f- focused so much right now on video and text, on Facebook and YouTube. They have not talked a lot about misinformation on Spotify, but you know who has is the medical community. And Washington listens very closely to the medical community. It's one of our fiercest lobbies. And so I think that they're going to start paying a lot more attention right now. Now, in terms of how Spotify plays into Section 230, Section 230 is about right now, the debate is around algorithmic distribution, not necessarily take something down or leave something up, but how you amplify it. And Spotify does include Joe Rogan in some of its algorithms to suggest top podcasts. So I do expect that at the end of this battle, Washington's going to be talking a lot more about Joe Rogan, but it's not going to be, you know, and Spotify's affiliation, it's not going to be in the same realm of a conversation as Facebook and Google and Twitter. It's just so unique, Sarah, that uh, that we shouldn't think it's a, a bad precedent for, for artists. I mean, I, you know, artists are artists, and it, sometimes some of their views are kind of mainstream. Sometimes they're just wackos. I mean, if, if they decide, if, if, if a young artist decides, who knows what the cause could be, that, you know, either do this or you're not going to be able to, to play my music. It just, just play. I mean, I don't want to say just, just play and don't talk, but a lot, of, a lot of people do say that. I just like your music. I don't care about, you know, your personal opinions about things. But I guess that everybody's got a right to that. Yeah, I think the precedent that it sets is that for the first time, I think Spotify has had to make a serious decision on this as it pertains to the music side of its platform and stars that have big Hollywood sway and the podcasting side of its platform that has a lot of advertising potential. And by Spotify choosing to just bring Neil Young's music down. I mean, they probably had conversations with him behind the scenes, but ultimately they decided not to concede. They have set their own precedent here, their own line. Moving forward, I think you might see other artists and other podcasters start to make these kinds of demands on Spotify. And as they make more and more of these calls, you're going to see how their line shifts. I have not yet seen that much of a decision-making process from Spotify yet. That's why this is noteworthy. Well. If it happens with the Biebs, uh, I'm going to have to to take a stand, I think. Um, you know I'll what I mean? Uh, obviously, because that that's just that's going to be totally unacceptable uh, if that would as a believer. 
I'm a believer I couldn't leave her if I tried. Um, Sarah, that's, that's, from the, that's from the monkeys. That goes all the way back to the, to the monkeys. And we're losing them slowly. Sad. Sad for me to see that. Becky, you're... <laughs> Becky. Sarah, thank you. Thanks, um, I'm trying to think of one artist who I really would care. I don't know if I can come up with one. Maybe Taylor Swift. I love her. Steely Dan. Yes, we think podcasts are good business. So check us out. Follow Squawk Pod on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to get podcasts and get us in your feed every day. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. They're on TV every weekday morning at 6 Eastern. Tweet us at Squawk CNBC with comments or to let us know how dry January is going for you. Other people give up alcohol during January. You give up donuts. That's how you are, you Homer. Thanks for listening. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. Now we are clear. Thanks, guys. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.